Welcome to another episode of Fisherman's Mindset Podcast, a podcast for you on this journey of life. My name is Ebi Sosa. I'm your host, and this is the show. Now let's get into today's episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode. I'm really, really pumped for this one. If this uh, episode is not going to motivate you or educate you, then I don't know what you what type of motivation you need in your own life. But we have a special guest today. She's a very phenomenal young lady from Peru. Cam, welcome. Hi, Abby. Thank you for having me and to your, to your podcast. I truly appreciate this. And, you know, it's just about adding value to people in any form of way. Adding value is massively important in my life. That that plays a big role in my life. And, and I really always look for ways that I can give value to people, you know, and whether it just be my voice, whether it be a, some sort of support, um, even, you know, with the work that I'm doing, being able to train them, lead them. It's, I'm in a development process, but I came from, from a, a lot of, you know, a lot of terrible things, you know, I, I went through a lot. Matter of fact, my fiance and I have been through a lot together. And even before then, there's a lot that I've been through, <laughs> you know, no, for sure. No, for sure. And just a little bit of context. You know, I saw you on a Gary V Tea Time and you were asking a few questions about, you know, feeling the pressure of helping our communities as uh, we are all immigrants. So that's how I, I saw you and I ended up reaching out to you on Instagram and which I'm grateful for you hitting exactly, me back. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm grateful for hitting me back. And uh, I found out that you have a very interesting story. But Let's talk a little bit about your fiance. As I know you from, you know, a third world country like I am, where religion is a big, big thing in uh, uh, in our communities, and you're in a single sex relationship. How has that affected your relationship with your family, parents, or friends? You know, funny enough, it it affected only her side of the family. With my family, it was it was crazy because you know I come from Peru. I've been here for thirteen years. Um, my both my parents have been divorced and actually I'm going through my second divorce, right? Which is my mom. Um, but in the midst of it all, I, I needed to come out. It was just this thing that kept me shut because of my religion, because obviously in Peru, most of my you know family, our culture is Catholic. And we were raised to think a certain way, to be a certain way and to live a certain way. And when I came to this country, even as a little girl, I always thought, there's got to be something more than just this lifestyle, you know, this this uh, globe that I was living under. There, there's got to be more. And I always seek for ways to open that, to open many doors that the world has to offer, that the universe has to offer. So when I came here to, to America, to Texas, Houston, Texas, actually, um, you know, loved school, but it wasn't my thing. I knew that right off the bat. I obviously knew that I, you know, I was gay. I was just very afraid to come out. And so I kept it in, in you know, closed doors for years. And, um, you know, about, I want to say two to three years, I finally came out. But within those two to three years, because I shut myself down, because I did not accept who I was, not only was I going through a lot of abuse in the time, but I went homeless. I was a drug addict for years. So I've just recovered for, you know, about two years now. Uh, went homeless, obviously my fiance, I met her and she was, she saved my life. Like she got me out of that hole. And that was really when my whole, like this whole new life just started. And this just happened, you know, within the last two years. Um, but, you know, going back into my past, I can understand what people are going through. There's a lot of people my age 
my age, whether they're, you know, Latinos or a different kind of ethnicity, that they're going through the same thing. Their voices are being shut. They're telling their, their either their, uh, their people, their family, friends, acquaintances, whoever it is that they're surrounding themselves with, they're letting, they're telling them, hey, you cannot do that. You got to live a certain way. You got to do certain things. You got to go to school, get married, and do certain things that society wants you to do. And so for, for years, their lives are being shut, their dreams and goals their passions, who they really ought to be and who they want to be with and who they want to become. And I feel like because I went through all of that, I can so relate to people who, you know, have been bullied before, people who, you know, are, are lost, have no guidance, no no way of seeking out. And, you know, even people who went homeless and things like that, I relate to all of that. I relate to them and I, I truly want you know, to reach out to them and be able to help them, be able to do something about it because I've been there before. Nobody was there for me until I met the love of my life. You know, from there, everything started. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, no, for sure. Uh, and as I, I'm going to repeat again, that's what really, you know, uh, made me reach out to you and ask you to come on and so we can have this conversation. But so that we can rewind a little bit, can you, you know, give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself? You know, uh, so just a little bit of introduction. Oh, absolutely. So as you know, born and raised in Peru, I've been here for 13 years. Um, you know, my family, they were very close minded. They were uh, the type of people who you just got to do certain things, as I said. And so I rebelled against that. And, you know, I went through a lot of abuse growing up. Um, but I overcame that, you know, I hold it, I hold it a lot of anger inside of me. But I, I had to overcome that. And I dropped out of school, actually. I'm a dropout high school. Um, I dropped out of school. I, I started associating myself with people who, you know, are obviously going down the wrong path. Uh, I always had this inner, inner. I, I guess you could say maybe a spiritual being, you know, or, or an energy, this light within me that's like, hey, no, come on, let's, let's not do that. Let's go create your dreams. Let's go achieve your goals. There's something out there waiting for you. But I shut, I shut it down. So, and the reason why I shut it down, because I was afraid because I didn't know, maybe, you know, I was just afraid. I didn't know the world was going to accept me or want me in any form of way. And being dropped out, I went into the music industry. I, uh, I did a bunch of festivals, music, EDM festivals. I loved it. But again, the people that I was surrounding myself with it was just overall toxic. So that didn't go right. And then I went into marketing, media, sales, and I loved it again because I was able to help people and I was still developing myself. Now, you know, my fiance and I were developing our agency. We're, you know, building leaders. Um, and obviously we are too, but it's just about how can we bring more awareness about the reality of not just what's going on personally in people's lives, especially for millennials, but the reality of where the market is going, where the economy is going and why there's so many people our age who are homeless, people who, you know, continually just kept getting getting lost. Like there shouldn't be too many deaths on suicides and deaths on, you know, uh, just overall with people who injure themselves, whether it's, you know, they do a certain drug or something. There's a lot of that that are people our age. And I want to stop that. They shouldn't, like, for me, it's a big deal for me. I'm passionate about that because I remember when I was going through that, I wasn't doing it to have fun. I was doing it to hurt myself even more because I was already in a terrible place. And how could I, how could that have changed? If somebody had reached out to me and told me, hey, 
Cam, there's a better, there's a better way than this. I promise you, there's a better way than this. But nobody had told me that. I had to find that for myself. But could you imagine if there were people, a community of people like you and I, who could actually, like, give them that voice, provide them with some value, um, guide them in a certain way? Like, hey, this this could work. I mean, it worked for me. Maybe this could work for you. And eventually, maybe that could change their lives. You know, it could change the course of their lives rather than eventually die or go to jail or something yeah you're 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 definitely uh, speaking all the right points and i can hear the passion in your voice you're like yes this means a lot to you and again i'm uh, grateful for you coming on and so so you were born in peru and you moved here uh how old were you when you moved uh, to the united states i was uh 11 you were 11 when you came here. And how was the transition like? Did you speak English at the time when you came here or you still just spoke Spanish? I honestly had no idea. I I remember talking maybe a little bit of like English words and here and there because they would teach it over there in Peru. But when I came here, my whole entire life changed. I left my entire family in Peru. I haven't seen them for the past 13 years. And you know what? I wasn't even raised by my mom or dad. I was raised by my grandma because when I first came here, I was two years old. We were immigrants, mom and dad. My dad was super abusive towards my mom. That didn't go well. He went to jail. I went back to Peru to my grandma. So you could imagine the transitions that I had to go through my life, watching my mom getting abused. And on top of that, being separated completely by both parents. And then, yeah, so. (laughs) No. and, and And when did you go back to Peru? At what age? I went back um, when we were immigrants. I went back at the age of five, I believe, four or five. And then I lived in Peru for the next, you know, five, six years. And then I went back because my mom had remarried. Um, And, you know, she remarried with my stepdad, got me papers, went back here around the age of 11. And again, it was like a whole new chapter, like a new chapter, a new life. And it was just very confusing. And at the same time, sort of traumatic because, you know, I was raised by my grandma. My grandma, she had her different standards. She loved me a lot. She gave me that nurturing and would spoil me, right? Because I was still growing up as a, as a kid. But when I came here, my mom, me and my mom, we love each other. We have a really close relationship now. But in the past, it was not like that. It was not like that whatsoever. We had different mindsets, different cultures now because she had married to a white guy and his his ways of doing it was different, and so that influenced her, and and it felt like everything needed to be right. And so for me, I was not I was not accustomed to that. And you know, you can understand where that where where our relationship goes from there between my mom and I back then. So I had to go through a lot of abuse because I was confused. I had no idea. Like the world didn't teach me that. I wasn't raised by my parents. I lived in two different worlds, two different countries, and at a very young age, you know. Yeah, the tra- the transition can be very lethal, you know, for uh, especially as I say, us as immigrants who are not born here, when you come from a different culture and a different lifestyle and uh, you come here. And I went through the same thing when I came here. You know, I am used to like, I would say, kind of a neat, friendly community. And I come here and everything is just me, me, me. I got to move fast, 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 fast. So it was kind of hard to adapt. But yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, agree with you on that part. So... Let's go back to how, when did you exactly drop out of high school? At what grade? So I dropped out at age, I want to say 18, 18. And, and I'll tell you why I dropped out. 
I dropped out because I was really at this point of my life, I was being abused, like still. And um, I'll tell you this, I haven't really told many people, but I was I was uh, promoting for this festival because I was finally trying to do something different for my life. Right. Um, and it was a big deal to me. It was a big deal. I, I wanted to I wanted the world to know me. I wanted the world to know me, but know me for who I am. Um, because I was always an introvert in high school. You know, I was, I would be focusing for, um, you know, doing my high school studies and everything like that. Um, and never really had any real friends except maybe my neighborhood friends. So I decided, you know what, let me do, let me do some promoting for, you know, some festivals here in Houston or Austin and Texas in general. And so the, when the delivery came, um, to drop out the flyers at the front of my, uh, at the front of my, you know, parents' house. I w- it was Tuesday morning. I remember exactly how it happened Tuesday morning. And I was excited to go to school and my mom opens uh, the door. She's like, what is this? Why is there flyers here? What's going on? And I'm like, well, that's just for a festival that I'm promoting. I'm just going to give it a, you know, give it away to all my people in high school. And immediately she just like completely flips, kicks me out that same morning that I was supposed to go to school and I didn't know what to do. So I went back, got into a massive fight with her and actually I went to jail for two weeks and she called the cops on me. And I mean, I forgive her for that, but you know, like what that does to somebody who is just like, you know, living this really normal life and all of a sudden this happens and then you're like, okay, (laughs) like what what happens after this? So that's why I dropped out. I dropped out because I got out of jail and I didn't know what else to do with my life. I was completely shattered. I went to live with one of my ex-best friends. Um, and from there, it was like a whole new life. It was just a new life. Like, okay, I'm just going to not do anything good <laughs> and party every day and figure figure out what I, what I needed to do from there. You know, I just shut down my dreams and decided to live a new fake life, per se. Uh, I'm very sorry for what you went through, but I'm glad we're here talking today because I'm sure there's some people who might have gone through what you've gone through and, you know, we don't know if they're still alive or they didn't find their way out, like how you found your way out. So I'm very proud of you. Thank you. But but definitely. So at that point when your mom is saying, okay, you got to kind of get out of my house, you know, which was not the right thing to do. And as you say, you forgive her. And I hope you guys have a great relationship at the moment. But at that point, were you using, were you smoking, drinking? What Were you using anything at that time? Yeah, so I started smoking weed. And the reason why I started smoking weed was because I wanted to numb the pain. I wanted, I didn't really care for, for drugs. I didn't really care for weed. I, I don't even drink. Maybe a little bit of wine here and there now. Um, but I just wanted to shut these emotions down. I wanted to not feel like there was pain in my life, but at the same time, for some strange reason, I would let that pain feel me and keep going. Like I I felt like I was living two different lives. I felt like I was living a life that I wanted the world to see, like I'm, you know, this party girl, I'm doing great and my life is perfect and I'm just so popular and nothing bad happened. I'm, I'm, my life has always been good. And then the other life is just like, okay, I need to get in tune with myself. Like I, I want to make something happen. I want to achieve my goals and my dreams, but I would, and obviously I was gay, but I would literally like shut that down 
and live this fake life while still operating through pain so I could actually keep going. Does that make sense? No, that makes that makes a lot of yeah. sense. And I think uh, the reason you're so passionate about this, you say you feel it when people go through that. And I, I have never I, I was never in that situation because I feel like my mom kind of, you know, gave me leeway to communicate, you know, but then I, I really understand what you mean. And I really feel your pain in a sense that there's a lot of people out there nowadays who are going through that, especially, as I said, we come from third world countries. So, you know, religions and spiritual and cultures drive our communities so much that it's so hard. For example, if someone realizes they're, you know, they're gay, they can't just come out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not that easy to just come out. And uh, what were your grades like? Were you an A student, B student, C student at that point? Because I'm trying to get a little bit of perspective. So, you know, so we get uh, like a bigger picture of like, okay, maybe your mom kind of, which was not right. Again, it was not right. But maybe she was like frustrated you were fucking up in school. And at the same time, you're trying to promote a show. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. Is that I was a really good student. I was in AP classes, ROTC Air Force. I got an invitation to go to A&M for ROTC Air Force for two years, all paid for. I did, I did, I, I could... Listen, like I did whatever I could do to make my mom happy. And it wasn't making me happy. It was making her happy. But I didn't know that. I didn't know what I needed to do. I just kind of followed up with, you know, okay, I need to be a good student. And by the way, I love, I love learning. I'm I'm a student of life. I've always, always learned, always studied, um, and always had that discipline within myself. The problem was that, I was a very unhappy child. And not only that, I was being abused left to right for not doing dishes the right way. You know what I mean? Um, and just, you know, I want to go outside and play. No, you can't. So I would be at home reading. But I, and I, and I felt like I was walking on eggshells, like everything I was doing wasn't right. Right. And so it just got to the point where, like I said, even though I wanted to go to college and I could, and it was all going to be paid for right after that incident where I went to jail, that was like a turning point of my life. Like it was a bad turning point of my life because I felt like at this point, no one really cared for me. Like there was no, like that didn't exist. So why would I care for myself? Right. And a lot of us feel that way when people don't care about you, like your own family, your friends or whoever in your life, when they don't care about you, you don't care about yourself. You want to like almost destroy yourself in a very toxic way without you even knowing. No, for sure. And uh, like family support of people you love supporting you is a very, very important part of life. And especially like if you have a good like family support system, there's a way bigger chance of you doing better. And not to say there are not people who didn't get their family support and, you know, they're doing great like you are, for example. But family support is just so important, especially when you're 18. 18 is very young. You were very young at the time and you're like, you had nowhere to go. And all of a sudden, like, okay, you got to get out of your comfort zone, which was not a comfort zone in a sense, but it was still a comfort zone where you had shelter, you had food, no matter how your mom upset she was, she would not let you go sleep hungry, you know, things like that. And now all of a sudden you got to go out in this world that you've never been a part of and you got to figure things out yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? What's funny is that I tried to figure it out so much. 
you know, I like, you know, after that incident, I went to live with my ex-best friend. We partied for days. I went into the music industry. I actually lived everywhere in the city of Houston. I lived in Austin. I lived in uh, Dallas. I lived in Colorado. And, you know, I wasn't alone. I was in terrible relationships, too. I was in terrible relationships because I was attracting that into my life. So even the people had a, a negative impact, the people back then. Some of them had a really negative impact, um, just using me left to right, you know, using me to go into festivals, for instance, or using me to gain some sort of popularity or using me uh, if I made money, you know, I would spend it with them. It was just those little things that I was not aware of because I was trying to give so much so that I could, you know, get the recognition in a way, like get the affirmation that I matter because no one really cared for me and I knew that. You know, yeah, yeah. That you you're you're looking to fit in, and that's that's a very big red flag. Whenever in life where you are at a stage where you're looking so desperately to fit in, that's really a very very uh, narrow road for you to you know kind of go on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was a it was a big deal back then. It was a it was one thing that I I wanted to strive for so bad, but I knew it was destroying every piece of me. Every piece of me was just like I was peeling away, you know, layer per layer until it really crushed me. Like I hit rock bottom. I lived in my car in Colorado. This was the last time. No, this was the this was the third time I went homeless. Um, oh, so you went homeless three times. Can yeah, you please, actually. Like, can you please quickly take us through the first time, the second and the third time if you can? So the first, the first two times weren't necessarily like too homeless. I was still living somewhere. I, I kind of had my own, you know, personal space. I was uh, couch surfing, living from people to people's house. Uh, sometimes I would sleep on the floor. And then I got into a terrible relationship, but it wasn't a relationship. It was more like, okay, it's just a mutual thing. We're going to go out to Colorado and figure it out. Matter of fact, it was a person, two people at the same time that one of them was trying to, both of them were just trying to use me overall because I had the car. I had, you know, the ability to, to my skill set. Like my skill set will never go away. If I have to get a job, whether it's $5 an hour, I will make the best out of that out of every hour. Right. And so I decided, you know, okay, let's just go, let's go to Colorado. Let's go move along. And so I went to Colorado and, um, from there it got terrible, really, really bad between these two people that I, I wasn't in a relationship with. It was more like talking and trying to figure it out and got to the point where I really needed to cut it off, completely cut these people off. And I ended up homeless, actually, living in my car in the mountain during November where there was snow everywhere. And I did that for, you know, I want to say maybe a month, a month until I met somebody who helped me out. And I was able to, you know, sleep in in their apartment on the floor. And... I finally, you know, my mom and I were fixing our relationship from there too, because she was going through a lot. So we fixed our relationship. It was kind of like, okay, we definitely got to, you know, fix this. And she was my one of my best friends. So, you know, we came closer and I told her everything. And she was there for me. Like she was really there for me and told me, look, come back home. I'll, I'll pay for your college classes. I'll buy you a car and, and, you know, get a job and see what you can do from there. So I, I, I 
you know, it was uh, 2016, January is when I came back to Houston to live with my mom for a couple months. And from that time, I decided to completely, completely get to know myself because I didn't have a, I didn't have a phone at the time. I didn't have a, uh, I mean, I had a phone, but it wasn't connected to anything. It was just Wi-Fi, right? And I decided, look, I need to plug out of the world. I need to just focus on me, get to know me, the real me within myself. I learn about spirituality so I can, you know, heal and just try and just read as many books as possible until I figure out what I need to do for, you know, for this next chapter. But I definitely did went homeless three times. And then, and then I'll, I'll explain the the fourth time, which is where I met the love of my life, too. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, I'm over here wowed. Yeah, like your story <laughs> is, just, is just fascinating. And it's just, it's 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 great. It's great. Uh, so at that point, as you said, you had no cell phone. So you're kind of using Wi-Fi. So the only time you could communicate with your mom is when you found Wi-Fi. Yep, that's it. Uh, and I was working at Chicks, uh, Cheesecake Factory in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. And I loved it. I was so good at what I was doing, too, you know. And, you know, unfortunately, I had to move because they just got to a point where. And by the way, I got my GED in Colorado. I forgot to mention that I actually pursued and getting my, um, you know, at least a diploma or something. So I got my GED. I got, you know, I had to sell my car so I can fly out. I didn't, I didn't drive back. I had to sell my car and I came back here to Houston and obviously my mom had bought me a car and everything was like a whole new life. It was a whole new life, but even within the whole new life, it was now coming up to another whole chapter that it went really horrible for a little bit of time. And then it just changed and it really, really changed, you know? And, um, but really that's, that's what happened, man. It, it was just a transition from transition, from transition, from meeting people to being led to here, being led to that. I felt like I was being tossed around, you know, or maybe I was tossing myself around trying to figure it all out. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. The transitions definitely, uh, sound like they're horrible and hard. Speaking of transition, how, how did you feel? Uh, or what was your reaction the first time you saw your mom when you got back? Like, you're like, okay, you flew, you landed in Houston and your mom is right in front of you. What was her first reaction and what was your first reaction? At first, you know, and, and at this point, our relationship was a lot better. But at first it was just kind of like, mm, you know, okay, I I just don't want any issues anymore. And she was very, very nice. Like she was trying to help me out and, and she definitely didn't try and blow up or do anything crazy. Um, for me, the transition was more like kind of shocking, you know, like, oh man, I'm going back home, but I didn't want to, but I knew I had to, I had no choice. And at the same time, it was kind of like hopeful, maybe something good is going to come out of this. And, you know, I kind of did, but it was kind of like, it was a leap of faith, you know, a leap of faith between, okay, I'm going back home, you know, when I'm already here in Colorado, but I know I'm homeless and I really have no choice. And coming back, it was just like, okay, I'm just taking the leap of faith. I'm going to believe this is going to work out. And it didn't work out. It worked out maybe for like a few months, but it was, it was what I needed to do at the time. And a lot of people, whenever you're, you know, you want to make that leap of faith, whenever you are transitioning from, you know, especially right now with everything that's going on, people losing jobs left to right, you know, people going homeless and, and the list goes on, you 
no way in life, like the one number one thing you got to master above everything else is a way to adapt. Us humans must adapt to any changes because if we don't, uh, like that's survival of the fittest. You got to learn to adapt. And for me, it was an evolution. For me, it was like, I have to evolve. I have to adapt. I got to move and move and move. Because if I don't, I, have, I would never know what's going to happen. Even if it fails, I wouldn't know. So I had to make that leap of faith. Yeah, speaking about speaking of adapting, that's really funny. I had to adapt too when I was planning to start this podcast. You know, I ordered my equipment. I had everything. I didn't even know about the website host I'm using to host my podcast on. I didn't. I had no idea uh, who they were because I already had this plan in my head. Okay, I'm gonna use GarageBand on my laptop. I'm gonna have guests come at my house. You know, I bought two mics, and then Corona happened, and then I was like left scratching my head, and then uh, those bad thoughts started creeping. Like, oh. You know, maybe I shouldn't do this podcast. Maybe this is a bad sign, you know? I was like, but you know what? I'll take a leap of faith. So I started researching and doing some research. I'm like, what are the ways that I can do my show? I can get the best content with the best audio quality and ended up running uh, through the website I'm using right now. And I ended up figuring a lot of things. Actually, I ended up connecting with a lot of people, including you, because I finally had time to sit down and watch my Gary V videos and all this stuff. So now I ended up like catching up with a lot of people and I have a lot of people who I actually met from the Gary V Tea Time who are going to come on the podcast so adaptability is key i love that i love that so much because exactly adaptability is massive is massive and i am always the type of person who does not want to get left behind especially you know i'm so young i'm so and we're both all super young but for me i'm always seeking for different ways i never stop even if i turn 80 and you know this is it i'm i made it and everything i have to keep finding ways i'm i'm a seeker you know i continue to seek for new things ways to improve ways to change or evolve and adapt and that's just a real natural trait of me and maybe that's why i was able to go through all those transitions going from you know peru to here from the abuse back to back through uh to to dropping out of high school to being homeless you know involving myself with toxic people i learned to adapt but i also had to learn to get out of that and then adapt in a whole new lifestyle and then eventually just became a natural thing for me it was like a rhythm like okay life happens you have to uh, you have to expect the worst to happen too like not expected in a way where it's like okay this is it more so okay I'm I'm going to visualize my success and how I'm going to make it but I'm also going to visualize the challenges that I'm going to go through and how I can overcome them so I was I'm a visionary you know I was I was always envisioning things in my mind and I believe in the power of manifestation I believe in the power of like when you envision something and you really are very focused on that and you you have a strategy on how to go about it, you will get there. And if you even know the challenges that come with it, it, it won't be easy, but you are aware. And self-awareness is huge, like adapting, self-awareness, um, and obviously envisioning, you know, and being able to envision. That, that honestly is what saved my life. I'll tell you that. Like deep down, besides my, my spirituality belief and all that stuff, the mind, my mind what I was look like, what I was seeing in my head, like you said, those bad thoughts creeping up in your head, I had to dissociate myself inside my mind, put my bad thoughts in the corner, and then put what I really want 
in the other corner and then put the challenges, you know, in this corner and be like, okay, how am I going to do this? I need to kill my bad thoughts. I need to focus on what matters. And I need to focus on that. If it happens, this will, you know, the challenge is going to come along. I had to literally visualize an entire different world inside of my head. And that is how I was able to survive through all those transitions because I, it was already, you know, planned out. Like in my mind, I had to find a way out and I would visualize it. You know, it's, it's funny. You said prepare for the worst. I'm not sure if you know who Tilleman Fertitta is. Do you know who that is? Oh yes. Yes, I do. Yes. I, I've started reading his book called Shut Up and Listen. And for whoever who's a book reader or someone who's looking to explore, that book is great. You know, if you can read it, it's fantastic. But he talks about the, how he he's preparing for the worst. That's why he's been very successful in making billions of dollars. And he's the Houston Rockets owner. So he's the owner of your basketball team in Houston. And he was just saying like the way he's been able to make a lot of money is because when he invests in something, he never prepares for the best. He always prepares for the worst. And it's like, that's why he has so many companies because when people or companies and like, I imagine with this COVID-19 thing right now, he probably bought like 10 to 20 companies because a lot of companies are dropping, but he prepared for this time so much. I'm sure he had so much money and he bought a lot of companies. Exactly. So it's just preparing for the worst is key. I mean, for the uh, worst is key, which is a hard part of it. But okay, so take us to uh, the fourth homeless, okay, how you so got homeless in the fourth time. Yeah, so with the fourth homeless, the the the, the last the, the the beginning and la and the end of the transition, um, it was real funny because I had it right. I came back home. I had a car, you know, my little Toyota Corolla, um, and I was very grateful. And I always live in an attitude of gratitude. And I was always like that. I always had this very internal connection with myself. And I knew that life just has to happen a certain way. So I would always be grateful even for the worst times because I was aware that because of this so much pain that happened in my life, I knew something good always happens right after after that. So living in attitude of gratitude was also one of my behaviors. And, you know, I, I like you said, you know, like how we've been discussing, prepare for the worst. So I knew coming back home, having all that stuff, you know, going to college and all of a sudden having a car and a little job. I knew something was going to happen. I knew I was like, okay, this, this is too good to be true. This <laughs> I'm, I've been going through a lot. Something is going to happen, but I'm going to expect the best. And then all of a sudden, when I was developing myself, when I was getting closer and closer to, you know, getting to know myself, you know, what rose up the real me, the real me rose up. And I felt this emerging, like emerging, spirit or something inside me like trying to crawl out of me and say you need to come out you need to be real you know you are gay you know that you have all these big dreams and goals you need to go after them and so i i make the decision okay i need to make it happen you're right absolutely a hundred percent right i need to make it happen and Every day I would just focus on, you know, obviously I was doing my habits, which is meditating and, you know, praying and all these little things, running, you know, getting really healthy, visualizing more, writing down my goals, studying, training, researching, working, going to school. I was really fully developing myself and I still wanted to do the music, right? I still wanted to do the music. So I applied for this position for this festival in Austin called Euphoria. 
And I got the position. I was so freaking excited. I'm like, I could not believe it because that opportunity got me to be on stage with a very well-known um, artist who is above and beyond. That's the name of their, their, their team or I mean their artist name. And I was just freaked out. Like I couldn't believe this happened. I, 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 I wanted this. I manifested that. So I told my mom, which is funny because I was the same festival from the very beginning that I got sent to jail for. Talk <laughs> right? about deja vu. Deja vu, man. So from there, I, I told her like, hey, I'm going to do this. And she's like, okay, that's fine. Are you going to make money out of it? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make money. Great. Okay. So I, um, I got to the festival. I was able to get there. I can't remember how exactly. Oh yeah. I drove there. I drove there. I, I got there and, um, you know, I met some really awesome people. It was just myself. It was by myself meeting this new team of people that I was going to work with. And it was super awesome. I had the most magical time and I was on stage and then I met this person. And from that person, I met other people. And from those people, man, it was a chaos. Like I felt like I had it. Like I had this energy and I'm like, you know, it was just magnetic. And I was attracting a lot of people who were wanting to leech off of that. And, you know, from there, it just got into these really terrible connections, you know, drugs and all of that all over again. And I felt like I just didn't have control of my life. And it was a back to back thing, just like, you know, not being at home now for like at this point now I was I went from doing good to now not caring about myself anymore. Right. I, I just I, I wanted to. OK, I want to be free. Like, I don't I don't want to care anymore. I want to go and do what I want. Why in the world did that happen? I have no idea. Maybe a part of me just really wanted to be, you know, be free and explore, because at the end of the day, I felt so lonely. I feel so lonely. Like I wanted to be in love with a woman and I knew that. You know, in order for that to happen, I had to, you know, just go out and do things. But those things led me to really bad people and they took advantage of me over time. And it got to a point where I actually got addicted to something, you know, I got addicted and all of a sudden I actually went homeless. I lost my car. I got into a massive car accident, wrecked it. Uh, actually, it was funny because it happened in that morning that I was driving my little sister to school. I was still living at my mom's, by the way. Uh, and was still doing my life. It was just now I was associating myself with a whole new group of people that was associating themselves with terrible things. But I was still, you know, at home doing my thing. And then that morning, I drove my little sisters to school. And the song, this is going to creep you out, but the song that I was listening to was Breaking Benjamin. And it's a song, um, oh, man, I can't remember right off the top of my head, but it was saying um, something about death, right? And I was driving and driving and all of a sudden, for some reason, on the, on the, on the way to turn around the circle, um, this car, I, I stopped because I stopped in the middle of it. Like I stopped, I don't know why. And this car just hit me and I hydroplane, right? And I thought I was gonna die. So I survived, my little sister survived too. And I think from that point on, my whole life just completely went into turmoil. I ended up staying with this person too that was in my life. And, you know, from that person, I went to Dallas. I stayed up with somebody who was very toxic as well. Then from Dallas, I went back to uh, living in Houston. I was doing all right, you know, living in, in this little place, um, you know, in this little room that this really good person actually, you know, was helping me out for a, a little while. But 
um, I still wasn't, I still wasn't done. I still was not done with the, the toxicity. And I don't know why, but I kept trying to chase this, this idea of being in love. I kid you not. I would write about this woman that I could kept seeing in my mind. Like at this point, I was so obsessed with wanting to be in love because I finally am coming out. So me trying to come out, I'm gay. I want to be in love. That's the only thing that's going to change my life because you know what? I never had anyone truly love me. I never had that kind of love. I almost felt like I just, I didn't have love. And you know what? When a person doesn't have love in their life, it is so hard. It is so hard to live. It's so hard to live, you know? And so um, I went to, uh, from this point, I went to this party uh, at a high rise. And this girl that I've been, you know, friends with for a, a long time, since I was 17, actually, nothing happened between us. We were just really good friends. She actually, you know, went at the same party. I had no idea. And I couldn't recognize her. I'm like, wow, it's been forever. So um, she was also in a terrible relationship back in the day. And she just got out. So we meet. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I kid you not, same night, magic happened. And ever since then, we've been together. And this happened last year. Uh, 2000, no, two years ago. 2018. And you're gonna you're gonna think this is weird, but it happened around this time, um, May third. <laughs> oh wow! So you guys have been together for two years now. That's right. Congratulations on you guys! But that that that's uh you know that's what they say. Sometimes when you're in a bad situation and you you know your blessings will still come to you, like nothing will block your blessings. And as you say, if your fiance is the blessing that you need at the time to get you where you out of what you were doing and what you were on to what you are right now to being sober and everything, so probably she was your blessing, you know. Oh, yeah, I every day am so grateful for her. Like, she came from a family that hated me actually at the, at the time, they hated me. Her dad threatened to kill me at some point. <laughs> Right. And and because I had no home, I couldn't live with her at her home because they didn't want me to live there. We she would literally like she would sacrifice her her life to live with me and the car in her car. We were living in her car for like days. And then I would try to make money, you know, by doing certain errands and things like that. And we would stay. We literally lived in hotels to hotels to Airbnbs to like really scary hotels um, for, I want to say from May to November of two years ago, 2018. And, um, we, we lived very homeless. Like we were very, very homeless. There was a point in our lives where we only had $5 to our name for that whole week. And she would have to like, you know, ask people, her friends to let us stay at their house and food. And I mean, it was crazy because you know what? She did not have to go through all that. She went through all that for me because she fell in love with me and I fell in love with her. And I told her, look, I'm going to change. Like we, we got to change together. Like, you know, I wasn't perfect either. I was still a drug addict and she was really trying to help me get through my, my addiction. And, and obviously, you know, it worked, but it was a very crucial time. And so when it finally hit me, I'm like, okay, babe, like we need to get this together. We need to get an apartment. 
we need to live our lives. I'm going to go get a good job and we're going to make it happen. And we did. And then all her sudden, all of a sudden her family said, you know what, just come stay with us for a couple, you know, a month or two. And they ended up loving me. They love me till this day. Um, and, and from there we were able to, I, I got two jobs and we got an apartment, our first apartment. And then now we live in this beautiful mint rice. You know, obviously we have a car, everything's good. We're still working. We're still developing, you know, we're striving for financial freedom, obviously, but, you know, to also do, to also impact the world together, because it's, it, like I said, it's far more than just, you know, being able to create the wealth. That's those, that's part of, that's part of like life. Like it's, it's a, it's a thing that you do have to do at least to supplement your goals and dreams and be able to help more people. But we came to the conclusion that we're going to make it in this life and we're going to help people that are going through the same thing that we were going through because she almost killed herself at one point. I, I forgot to mention that she slit her throat at one point. Right. And it was because her parents didn't like me at all. And, um, it was crazy, man. And we, we've been through a lot, you know, we've been through a lot. Um, but you know, she survived that and, you know, we're still alive. We're still here. And it's crazy. We we've been through so much from homeless to almost, you know, dying to the drugs through the struggle, through being hungry and just trying to make it in this world, trying to find a way to survive. And at the same time, having all these goals and dreams that you just want to impact the world and help people that are going through the same thing. No, I hear you. But uh, just to uh, make a suggestion, whenever the two of you have time, I think you guys should sit down and actually like try to write a book because you guys have like a very, very like fascinating story that is kind of like it's movie like honestly, it's it's movie like when someone listens to it, you know, it's movie like it's like this really happened to you guys, how you guys met. And, you know, I have another question for you. How How do you deal with this? Let's say like I'll call them like demons of, you know, being drug addicted and going through all the depression and anxiety you went through how do you deal with them today right here right now the way i deal with the with these demons and you're right they are called demons to me too um i like i'll tell you that the time that i actually it actually hit me that i decided okay this is it to now being in control so the time that it hit me was in 2019 like early 2019, I believe. No, it was late 2018, late uh, early 2019. And it hit me because I knew that I was just killing myself. Like if I needed to change, if I knew I was already aware that I needed to change and that I needed to do better and that we have all these goals and dreams and now we have responsibilities, we have an apartment we have things that we acquire in life from going homeless, you know, from being homeless to now having this. I decided from that point on, and it hit me like this. I decided, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to, to stop these drugs? And every single day I would listen to, you know, I would go on YouTube and find some video, like a very, not motivational or inspirational, but on, on, a, on a particular matter, like how to discipline myself, how to be consistent. And I would replace those thoughts that it was like an urge to do a drug. I would replace that with looking at my beautiful, you know, my fiance now and looking at her and being like, you know what? I need to be, I need to be a better partner for her. I cannot keep doing this. It hurt me that bad that I chose to obviously, you know, choose love and replace that thought 
with love. And then the habit came along as well by, okay, when I feel this way, I'm going to go on a run or go read a book. And then I would get inspired. And all of a sudden that thought would go away. But it was a very hard decision. It took time. It wasn't just like, oh, overnight, you know, cold turkey. And I tried gold cold turkey. It didn't work. It just had to happen over time. But it's also a choice. I knew it was a choice. And at the same time, it wasn't. But I knew that at some point I had to make that choice. Okay, is it going to be, you know, being with my fiance and creating the life we want? Or is it going to be me contaminating my mind and my body more and more? Like, it was definitely hard. And I know a lot of people can relate to that when it comes to drug addictions. But one must be strong, man. One must be so strong and be able to become very self-aware and in tune with their spirit. And, you know, we have books, we have YouTube, we have things that can help us, you know, replace those thoughts with inspirational things and, and educational things. But at the end of the day, and at the bottom of your heart, if you, if you, you cannot do it for you, you got to do it for them. And so I decided I got to do it for my, I got to do it for my, for my wife. I got to do it for my family because at the end of the day, it wasn't for me. You know, I had to do it for the people that I care. And that is really what, what really made me, you know, stop all that stuff. And, and, and that's the decision I made. And from here, obviously, you know, it doesn't even bother me. They're gone. They're completely gone. Maybe every once in a while, it's like, hey, but then I'm like, hell no. Like, it's over. I won. I won. I'm in control now because I know where I'm going in life and the leader that I want, you know, people to, to, you know, see me as, but at the same time, being a leader for them, I focus on that. You know what I mean? I focus on what's going to matter the most. I focus on my family. I focus on the love of my life. I focus on what's going to be good. And all those thoughts goes away. But I can tell you that it was definitely a, a massive transition in my life to mm. go from drug addict to sober now. Oh, yeah. No, like you touch on a very important point, which is I'll, I'll call it finding your why. If the moment you find your why, then... You will get all the doubts out of your mind. You'll get all the insecurities out of your mind and spirit because you found your why. And most of the time, if your why is all about you, you're going to reach at a point in life where you're going to struggle, you're going to crush, and you're going to just go out, like down the wrong, wrong path because your why is all about you. So I think like finding your why, which is not about you. So every time you feel like I'm lazy or, you know, those demons are creeping back in, as you say, you look at your fiance and say, hey, I'm doing this for her. I'm doing this for our future. I'm doing this for the people I love. So I can be an example to the kids who are coming, you know, in, in my next generation for people who are going to see me out there and say, if Cam could do it, I could do it. So that's a very important part. But just to finish up a few, uh, two, uh, two more questions. One being when you hear the word forgiveness, what's, what's your definition of the word forgiveness? We'd like to hear that part. Since you forgave your mother, you know, a lot of people might not have been able to do that with all that she put you through. And as I said, we're not blaming her. We're not throwing any blame, but she's responsible for some part of it. And you're responsible for some part of it. But what's the word forgiveness for you? For me, and this is going to be real deep. This is going to be real deep, man. Because there's two ways that I handled it. So the first way is, and, and it's just even for myself. How do I forgive myself? I look at myself in the mirror and I get real. I talk to myself. I'm like, hello. Like, you know the truth. You know that you're putting yourself in these situations. You know your mom went through all of that. She also got abused. My mother was abused. 
And I had the empathy. I had this understanding, like this really painful understanding that, yes, you know, that pain that was inflicted in my life, that built me. And I'm grateful for that, too. And it also crushed me. But I would like in the in the midst of me forgiving her at that time was due to this. The way I define my forgiveness for her at that time was because I knew she was going through all of that. I knew she went through all of that. I knew she was going through a lot of pain. And I had this com- like compassion, you know, I had this compassion, like, you know what? Like, we're all humans. Like, of course, you know, she, she did all that. But I understand, like, she went through the same thing. You know, she was abused even as a little girl. And I just had to find this this love, this unconditional love, because I also knew that in, in life and in, in life here for me, I, I'm not perfect. Like I'm going to make mistakes, you know, and, and I know myself, I'm human and she's human. So I had to forgive her. Like, and it wasn't like an overnight thing. It was like an emotional, you know, emotional uh, way, like an emotional transition. Like, okay, you know what? She went through all of that. I had to get rid of myself. I had to because if I don't forgive her, I wouldn't feel good in my heart. I wouldn't. It, it would just kept building up. So now, looking back at everything, oh, man, I can tell you not only do I forgive her, obviously. I already forgave her, but I am grateful now. I cherish everything because if it wasn't for all the all the pain that I went through and and just, you know, the, the the little things that I discover about myself, like the compassion, the unconditional love that I have for people, if it wasn't for all of that, I wouldn't have known what it is to, to you know, have that love for others. And I'm grateful because now I'm here and I'm, I'm stronger now. I'm stronger. Like, of course, I went through a lot, you know, but it made me, it built me. That pain, I used it as a fuel. I used that pain as fuel for me to... I, you know, go after my dreams, shut my numbers down, ni- nightmares down, and and you know just thrive through the pain. Like it was a it was a feel for me. I always loved it. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna use this pain. I'm gonna freaking go hard, and I did. And 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 it just continues to happen every single day. You know? No, for like, wow! You said it was deep, and you meant it. And like, wow, that that's that's inspiring to me too. And just to add up to that, just find a way to forgive. I know it's hard. And my, me, myself, I was kind of on the same boat with you as when I was growing up. You know, my father wasn't in my life. So I kind of had a little bit of grudge towards him and stuff like that. But then when I have grown up and kind of looked at things in a different way, I kind of understand what happened with him just because his father wasn't in his life either. So he kind of did not have that what should I say? He didn't have that real example to see how to be a father. So it's not an excuse to his responsibilities, but also I understand what he went through. You know, so now I take it upon myself when I have my kids, I, I be there for my kids so that when they grow up, they know how to feel, how it feels to have a father and how it feels to be a father. But now I'll ask a tricky question I have for you. This is going to be real tricky. If the world is ending tomorrow or tomorrow is the end of your, you know, your life, let's say that you're dying tomorrow and everything else you did can be wiped out of earth, but you can leave three messages for anybody who's going to come after you and just say, this is what Cam said the last day she was alive. Three things you'd say, and that will reign on earth forever, even if you're not here. Three things. So those men. So, and I, you know, what's funny is that I thought about this too. 
what what would be those three things that if I had, you know, my life was spent is going to be taken away the next day and I was completely wiped out of the earth. What would be those three things that I would say that I would leave behind for the world to know? And this is what I would do, man. This is what I would say, actually. I would say at the end of the day, if love isn't your first thing in your mind, then what is? What is? Because love is what's going to really, truly, like, is going to power you. I mean, besides the pain, besides everything else, like love, like we are here for a reason. We are here for a reason. And we're all connected. We're all trying to do good, but give, give love and, and be empathetic, be compassionate. Those are my main three things that I live by every single day. Because if I don't, I would be lost. I would be a fake person. I would not be living. I would not be living. I would just be this, this, you know, you know, average person who's just living this fake life. And I know because I went through that and I had to get to a point in my life where love, give and compassion was my, the way I, I was living my, like my entire life. And so if I had to leave this world, those three things that I would say, love, give, and, you know, show compassion, be compassionate. That's it. And be you, man. Like, be you. If you had to be anyone, anyone in this world, be you. Be you. At least you die being you. At least you know you did you. That's it. You know? Yeah. Yes. Let, let's like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take you a shine away from me because you're just phenomenal and you're killing this, but I'm just going to add up. Like, let's learn how to judge less. Like, let's just learn how to judge less. Find out, about, talk to someone, speak to someone, because I'm sure if someone meets you the first time and they hear, oh, she's a school, high school dropout without knowing what happened in the background, they're just going to start thinking, oh, she was probably like, doing some dumb things. She was making dumb decisions without knowing the backstory. So let's judge less. Try to know somebody, find out more about somebody, you know? And so uh, for the, I'm, I'm sure people are, are going to be curious what's going on in your life right now, because I looked up. Uh, your page and stuff and i uh, i know you're in a finance type of situation right now you're doing finances absolutely yes and and we're taking this to a whole another new level man like uh, my fiance and i we always wanted to do everything together and now we're finally doing this business together and you know we're still in the making of our website and our youtube channel and you know obviously we're able to brand out become brokers and it's just a really awesome opportunity it's an incredible opportunity so that's what we're focusing on right now while we're still developing ourselves while we can still be innovative and learn and reach out to people impact people in, in many different ways and like we're in the process and i love the process man and just like you said judge less man judge less i love that because that i live by too you know I, I live by that i i'm very compassionate even when people do judge because you know what i know now that they are judging themselves they're unhappy you know what i mean like i feel for them i feel for them but at the same time it's like hey you gotta wake up man like you judging others is only judging you even more so yeah <laughs> and, and and how can people so no definitely just let's judge less but uh and how can people you know 
uh, reach your Instagram so they can see more about your business and so they can have more information when you start your YouTube page and things like that. If you don't mind dropping your Instagram name, even for that person who loves this conversation and who like to just reach out and just say, hey, I'm facing some demons. So you can kind of give them how you dealt with the situation. So what's your Instagram page? Oh, Facebook, whatever social network you'd like to share. Yeah, so I'm I'm on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. Also TikTok, but um, it's it's a different uh, name. It's still the same name. All for for all the for all the social media platforms. The handle that I use is my name, Cam Space. Obviously, Cam D Gregory. So it's three different words: Cam D Gregory. And uh, can you please spell that out? Of course. <laughs> so it's K A M D E G R E G O R I. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, for every guest uh, who comes on, you know, we always love to ask do you speak any other language rather than English? Uh, claro que sí. You hablo español también. Uh, see, can you please say goodbye to everybody who listens to this and say thank you for them listening and just leave them one small, you know, message or something in Spanish. We'd love to hear that. So, gracias por todo. Eh, yo estoy muy agradecida por esta oportunidad que me estoy conectando con el mundo. El mundo es un gran sitio para conectarnos, para hacer algo muy grande, para para que podemos, you know, cre cre crecer. Eh, eh, tener, you know, todos estos sueños juntos lo podemos hacer, juntos lo podemos hacer. Yo quiero decir muchas gracias, Evi, muchas gracias para toda la gente que está, you know, escuchando en esto en el futuro, claro. Um, y lo que quiero decir es, todo lo que estás haciendo ahorita mismo, lo estás haciendo por una buena razón. Y esa razón es la única razón que tienes que enfocarte. Esa razón, la razón entre tuyo, entre tu corazón. Síguelo, síguelo, sigue, 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 porque tú crees, el mundo no va a parar y tú tampoco tienes que parar. So, por favor, síguele adelante, porque en esta generación te necesitamos, te necesitamos ahorita, somos la siguiente generación que va a revolucionar todo el, todo el mundo. Vamos a... <risa> eh, claro, estamos, eh, estamos entrando un, en un futuro que todo va a estar adentro de la sociomiria. So, tenemos que hacer algo muy grande para enfocarnos en la, la siguiente generación, nuestra generación, y para arriba nos vamos. Man, I mean, wow. I feel like I'm, I don't know what country I'm in right now. Surely it feels like I'm in Peru because I'm in quarantine. So this feels like a vacation, which I love right now. But <laughs> definitely, thank you very much. I just want to let you know that I'm rooting for you. And I'm always just rooting for you. And, you know, we're, we're friends now forever. That's how I forever. do it. When I, when I meet somebody and we do this, we're friends forever. So you know where to reach me. I know where to reach you in case I have anything. Or, you know, there's anything you want to ask me. Please feel free, you know, and I'm rooting for you and I'm always going to be rooting for you. So please just keep that in mind. And we love you so much. Apart from how your fiance loves you, we as the world love you so much. And I'm very, very proud of what you've been able to accomplish from, you know, your humble beginnings yes. to where you are right now. I'm proud of you. If nobody told you that, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I love you and everyone. Thank you. I, so much love to give, man. So much love. We are connected. I'm going to reach out to you and I'll de like... If we got to do, you know, this again or whatever it is, we'll do it. I'm a, I'm a person who continues to move and, and wants to add value. So every day you're going to hear from me one way or the other. And we're going to be connected. And we're going to do great things in the future. I never know. 
I have a friend over there in Washington. Her name is Celeste, so I may have to stop by sometime over there this year, and we can we can definitely you know kick it. So no, for for sure, for sure, I I would love that. I would love that for sure. But thank you very much again, and I'm gonna act like I know Spanish because I'm sure it's almost <laughs> like night. You know, it's gonna be nighttime at some time in Texas, so I'm gonna say gracias, buenas noches to you, and thank you very much. Thank you really so much, you Abby. This talk- episode of Fisherman's Mindset Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through our social media platforms on Instagram at Fisherman's Mindset, Facebook, Fisherman's Mindset, or visit our website, fisherman's-mindset.simplecast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date on everything mindset. Until next time, peace.